it's Sid. Thanks so much for listening to Good Girls Gone Sad. Just wanted to say that we're doing this episode a little bit differently. We had such a great conversation with our guest, Aton Levine, but it went a little bit long, so we decided to cut this episode into two parts. Part one this week, part two next week. That wasn't the plan originally, so forgive us if there's any weird editing, but we're really excited for you to hear this episode, so let's get on with the show. Are you there, Don? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast. We are here today to answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? We started this podcast to dispel the rumor that good girls go bad. Sometimes they go sad, but mostly we go wherever we want. Um, So we're here to unpack our religious drama together. Yes, we did say drama because as we all know, the best parts of religion are performative. We are not here to bash, as always. We're just here to bond over our shared experiences. Yes, or lack thereof. Who knows? We'll find out. Who knows? Um, So today we have a very exciting guest, our close personal friend and former live show participant. Yes. From the first show? Yeah, one of the OG. One of the good girls. Were you our first comedian on our first show? No. 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 (laughs) Caroline uh, Banowitz. It was Caroline. But he was our second comedian in our first. No, I think I was the third. I think there was someone up first and then Caroline and then me. Oh, it was Vanessa. It was Vanessa. Yeah, you you closed it out. Okay. Um, I actually didn't even perform. I just put away the chairs after. (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice synergy here, too, because that means that we're like wrapping up our interviews of the people from our first ever show. First ever show. Also, oh, oh, yes, you were definitely. You interviewed everyone else from that show, and now you're getting to me after putting me up so late in the lineup? Caroline, well, that's how it went. Caroline was our very first guest on our very first episode, and then Vanessa went in the middle, and now you're, you're here. I think that me and Caroline uh, represent complete opposite ends of the religious, like, I I don't know, like the religion community where she is a tall Mormon, like a tall blonde. She's not Mormon. (laughs) She's just blonde. Are they, are, is all blondes not Mormon? (laughs) Wasn't she from like some compound or she a a Branch Davidian? She was, she was homeschooled, if that's what you mean. Yeah, she was homeschooled. Okay, well, that is Mormon. Anyways, so Caroline Banowitz, proud uh, home Famous home. Mormon. Famous, famous Mormon. Caroline. Congrats, Caroline. Uh, we hope you're listening. Caroline has also gotten infinitely more famous since we interviewed her. <laughs> so um, we're going to have to get her back. Honestly, the thing about uh, the thing about this podcast is it's amazing for people's careers in the way that no one will listen to this podcast, but it will launch you. Yeah, I actually think we jump-started your career as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you had not a single accomplishment before you came on Google's <laughs> Concept Live. No, I stumbled in. I was <laughs> like, yeah, this that's, is why, that's why you were just there to pick up the chairs. Accomplishments like being in the New York Times, New York Magazine. Jewish I didn't be in it. I wrote for it. You wrote, you wrote for it. it. Wrote I, wrote, for I wrote for the New York Times. I wrote an article for the New York Times, an article for New York Magazine. I guess that you're right. That is a very important distinction, and I'm sorry. Yeah, and you, you were a Kardashian expert at one point mm-hmm. in your career, right? Uh, yeah, I used to... My career was that I, I was a, a celebrity journalist for a while. So I used to write like four to five articles about the Kardashians every day and loved it. Uh, I used to write these like conspiracy theory thingies about them. Like, have we ever talked about any of this? Have, have you ever heard the conspiracy theory stuff about them? Um, we, I don't think so, but what I'm going to do right now is say your name. Welcome, Aton Levine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've heard him, but you didn't know who he was. <laughs> now um, everyone can go back and be like, oh, that is Aton. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, but, okay, please continue You're, about the conspiracy theories. Okay. These are, okay. I, first of all, theory implies these aren't reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's the first part, that these are very true. Uh, 
I was covering them. So you got to figure that this, this, everything I'm about to say was, uh, is relevant up until about two years ago. Uh, but everything bad that happened in the Kardashians happened in the last week of September or the first two weeks of October for six years in a row. That is like a thing, nude leaks, strokes, uh, cheating, divorces, pregnancy announcements, uh, all happened in that time. Uh, that's number one. Number two was that there was never more than two Kardashians trending at once. So it was like anytime Kim would start going out of the news cycle, Chloe would jump into the news cycle. And then it would be like anytime Kendall would fall out of the news, like anytime model season would end, like Kylie Lipkit would announce a new something or other so it was like very like there was always like a base of two but no more than two uh except for like when caitlin who operates on her own thing caitlin would like you know do her own thing or whatever so like that was like the other thing um like the last thing that was kind of like i just wrap this all up because now i could honestly talk for about a half hour on this but i did an article once on how uh when remember when taylor swift went out with uh tom hiddleston at all oh yeah oh yeah big yeah. moment in time huge that goes the big swifty i am swifty well swifties hate me i used to i i wrote a couple articles that were negative towards them towards her and i still get uh hate to this day you know mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have upset, you know, so many Republicans at once. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I, Taylor Swift, she was going out with Tom Hiddleston. She was like photographed that first week, like making out with him in Rhode Island on a rock. And then they were like at the Met Gala or something. Uh-huh. And then they were at a Selena Gomez concert. And then they were in Rome, right? All of the paparazzi pictures from that one week were taken by the same company. They didn't have multiple the paparazzi blacklist or whatever. What is it? Black Seed Bagels? No, yeah, there's Black a- Seed Bagels. It was there's... Lockheed Martin. The... <laughs> there is no, a... it was it was uh, the Image Direct. That was the thing. It was the Image mm-hmm. Direct. Um, they but they hired like paparazzi to follow them around, and then we found out that the Kardashians were getting a cut of every paparazzi picture that was taken to them uh, for a of while. Taylor? No, of although of that. I mean, can you imagine if anyone could finagle it that the Kardashians were getting paid for pictures of Taylor Swift, it would be Chris Jenner. I was about to say, this is yeah. the best conspiracy theory I've ever heard. Okay, well, we can we can bring this back to um, Good Girls Gone Sad. What do you know about Chris Jenner's church? She founded a church. She founded a church. Yes. Wait, do we, have we not talked about this before? No. Okay. So- I think that there, I think that there's like a larger thing about celebrities like this. Mm-hmm. where like Kanye has a church like Kanye has like an organizational structure and like pastors and stuff that he likes and well, stuff that's, I think that's Kanye's like actual spirituality kind of thing this Chris's church is specific it's a tax write-off and it's like very oh, obviously good. a tax write-off so it's called the California Community Church and it costs um a thousand dollars a month for to be a member but all of her children are members and so because it's a church it's a tax write-off so they are, and then like chris basically just redistributes the money after it goes through it's like it's very obvious if you're rich and you're paying taxes you're stupid there's like no other answer to that like I, my goal is to get rich enough to not pay taxes that is like what i want to do if i found <laughs> out that Chris wasn't getting, if, if Chris Jenner was paying a cent in taxes while Elon Musk wasn't, that would make absolutely no sense to me. I guess it's an interesting point, especially, especially coming from a lawyer family. Yeah, a thousand percent. At the end of the day, he was a lawyer. 
Yeah, I, she also, uh, you know, I, she's either a lawyer or has, I think that Chris is a lawyer. I'm, one second, let me just speak. Really? I actually don't know anything about Chris Jenner other than her children. Well, her husband, obviously. And her husband, yeah. Was um, Rob, the, Robert Kardashian, right? It was Robert Kardashian? Robert Kardashian, yeah, no, it's Robert Kardashian. Is she was not? Yeah, yeah, lawyer. And then, um, I mean, Kim's a lawyer now. Kim's, Kim passed right, Robert Kardashian was a big time LA lawyer when OJ, he was on OJ's team. Wait, she uh, was a lawyer too? Chris was a lawyer? No, she's just a business person. But oh, I, I was like, oh. she was a lawyer, but she runs it like she was, mm-hmm. you know, she yeah. understands. She, she was more than it. probably a lot of lawyers. If Chris Jenner was to be in charge of the UN, Middle East fixed by February, guarantee. Mm-hmm. Right in time for uh, Becca's wedding. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Maybe she can... you should get married at the California Community Church. Maybe I should. I bet it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, I've yeah. never been to California. That's a good time to go. <laughs> If you go, you have to go in winter to the church there. The California Community Church. Beautiful. Yeah. For a thousand dollars. For a thousand dollars. Honestly, not well, that expensive for a wedding venue. You can get Robert Ashian Jr. to officiate, you know. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. uh he loves the public eye. I love this idea. Do you want to know something pretty fucked up about him? Of course. Uh, when you're writing for celebrity stuff. There's occasionally you'll write um uh, uh, uh what's it called not eulogies uh what's obituaries oh like yeah yeah but yeah you, obituaries yeah so for instance like I, right now I guarantee you that like every major celebrity journalism farm like people you know EW whatever they all have like uh, eulogies ready to go uh, on file and then you just kind of yeah yeah somewhere. If I remember this correctly, I did have like half a Rob Kardashian Jr. Uh, uh, obituary written because mm-hmm. he was going through a lot of stuff. And I was like, he's going to kill himself. It's like, no, there's no way. I was very surprised because he was having public meltdowns on Snapchat. Uh, what's her name? Black China at one point removed the kids from his house. And then he just like walked around his house with a video just showing where his kids used to be sleeping. And then he'd be like, oh, this is where my baby was, you know, and stuff like that. Like he was unhinged he was not meant for this very dark everyone no one likes to admit the fact that he was not made or meant for the spotlight that the rest of the family wanted and Kendall famously didn't want it either like like, if you watch the the Kardashians like both of the younger girls are like we're bad at this like Mm -hmm. they famously couldn't like get through a Teen Vogue interview and Kendall's like I'm leaving I don't want to be here um well Kendall was able to model you don't have to talk that much as a model you just have to be beautiful I literally that's what I was about to say is that Kendall Mm -hmm. still doesn't Kendall what's what name something Kendall likes bird calls dating basketball players (laughs) okay never mind I take it back I didn't (laughs) you didn't know who you were dealing with (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that immediately we had the (laughs) bird expert um so should we get on with the first question? Let's do it. Okay. Um, am I asking? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Eitan, so we've talked enough about the Kardashians. Let's talk about you. Would you be willing to share your good girl origin story? Like, um, I guess your religious background, what made you good? Next question. Okay. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was born and raised in like a modern Orthodox uh, community, uh, Jewish. Uh, so, you know, we were shop, Shabbat, kosher, holidays. Uh, I like to say we were like Kushner level Jewish, uh, <laughs> but, you know, without the financial crime element <laughs> to it. Uh, 
Like, I, you know, if I had to actually sum it up further, I would say that like, there would never be a Netflix documentary about my community unless it was about a huge Ponzi scheme. I like that would be <laughs> like we weren't, I wasn't like, you know, a child bride in Hasidic Williamsburg. Uh, you know, we were just like, you know, we, we didn't touch any electricity from Friday night to, to Saturday night. But at the same time, like we were all Met fans. So like how removed could we possibly <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for everyone listening out there, he just said Mets, not meth. Um, just want to make sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were not meth fans at all. We were meth heads. Did um, you hear that? Did you hear meth? No, but when you said it, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're Mets heads. Mets, Mets heads. You're big Metropolitans. Yeah, yeah, I love the Metropolitans. Metropolitan. Um, I just went to my first Mets game, and I am fully obsessed with anthropomorphic, anthropomorphic baseball heads. I love that he, he removes his hat. For the national anthem, that is incredible ingenuity. And then it just like it must be magnets because he just like slaps it right back on. You know, somewhere there's a tumbler. Oh man, please tell me. Wait. Oh, please tell me I still have this. You look like a hacker in a movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> Second, I'm getting into the mainframe. Into <laughs> the mainframe about Mr. Matt. Oh man, I don't know if I have this anymore. Somewhere in like tumblr my tumblr one of the first things i ever posted was a picture of mr met that i put a black hat on mm -hmm. and like the side you know like the hair curls are called payas but the side curls yeah and the caption was as much as i love mr met i do miss their original mascot rabbi grand slamberg <laughs> <laughs> Um, which gives you a level of understanding of how religious I was, I think. Yeah, uh, so yeah. always had like this kind of, have you always had like a comedic relationship to Judaism? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, my family's very, very funny. I, I think that that is like something that cannot be disqualified is that like my mom is very, very is hilarious, Un, unchained. I would say completely <laughs> un unable to walk around with her in public kind of uh, because of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and then, you know, my dad's like very like monotonal, but like very uh, sharp. And uh, so I think that there was always like that element uh, because of my family's background, specifically my mom's side, my mom, you know, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors on my mom's side. Right. Mm -hmm. So you know, trauma and as much as trauma sucks and, you know, trauma, you're, you know, it's, it's there and, and there's bad parts to it. Um, the way that our family historically has kind of, uh, dealt with trauma has been, uh, humor in a very, uh, heavy way. Uh, you know, like growing up, I, you, just, you hear like Holocaust jokes all the fucking time. Like I remember my mom used to say something like my grandmother was very always like dressed to the nines, you know, makeup, you know, hair always done. And I remember her saying once something like, you know, Bubby in the Holocaust uh, in Auschwitz, the concentration camp, she was in barrack 13, but she would always go to barrack 14 because they had the better mirror. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, so you'd hear stuff like that, like over yeah. and over, uh, you know, it just, I remember it, like, I don't know, just growing up, you'd always like hear this was like the way to, to kind of like deal with this stuff. And then honestly, like I also, I, I'm a cancer survivor, I had cancer when I was like a kid. And as much as that was like, obviously an awful traumatic experience, like it was a lot of joking and stuff about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just been the way that we've always dealt with uh, trauma in our family. Um, yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. 
how did your relationship to religion evolve or has it i guess oh yeah totally um it has but <laughs> uh no it's been uh the same since birth no i i it's it's came out of the womb cracking jokes you came out of the womb doing a mad libs yeah, 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 the Mad Lib style. Well, that was, uh, I've been talking, right now, the thing that I've been dealing a lot with my, my because my, listen, my grandmother is a Holocaust survivor, and, like, Holocaust is, like, in your periphery, like, 24-7, and then uh, there's a really interesting story where, like, I wrote an article for the New York Times about my grandmother dying of COVID in the first wave of COVID, and it's a long story. I'm not going to get into that entire story, but uh, when, before she had died, I had been getting her like life story from her because like I hadn't gotten a life story from her so and by that time also I was getting but by that time I was I was getting like a 94 year old version of her story and like she had like crazy stuff like she, one time she it was like on the boat from she was saying how she was on the boat from Europe to America after the Holocaust and like the boat had all these like scared survivors that were on this boat so they needed to like boost morale on the boat and they had a bunch of events on the Holocaust boat and one of the, of the events they had was a beauty pageant. <clears throat> and my grandmother won the Holocaust beauty pageant. <laughs> so when she had told me this, I was like, oh my God, you were Miss Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she like kind of like you know, smirked and then just like, and then she was like, you know, we went from port to port. So we, you know, I was like, you were like Miss Universe Holocaust. Like it was a whole, <laughs> uh, so. Your USO tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was just do, doing the, doing the whole, uh, the rounds. Uh, but she. No, so I never, but I never got like the full like story of hers. Um, so I've been like starting to like write this like movie treatment thing on her, uh, on that story, the Miss Holocaust thing. And then, you know, coronavirus happens. Uh, she passes of coronavirus. I read the article about her. And after she had died, I was like pretty bummed is like a bad choice of words to this, but I was like very distraught over the fact that like I never got like the full story. Like I was in the middle of getting her story article gets written someone from the Shoah foundation reaches out to me Shoah foundation is the steven spielberg holocaust uh documentation uh group where after the war you know they they just they went to like as many survivors as they could find and just like filmed them and got their story so all of a sudden i'm emailed and they're like we have two and a half hours of footage of your grandmother giving her story like did not know this thing existed and like, that was how I got like her entire life story um, after after that. Like I learned about family members I didn't know about. I learned uh, I just uh, our history, you know, like how the, what it was like, you know, she was from Czechoslovakia, which is now part of Ukraine. And, um, you know, just like what she kind of like went through and like what it was leading up to that, uh, you know, up to the, the Holocaust. And there were things like, you, do you guys know what the blood libels are at all? Yeah, it's no. the concept that uh, people would say that Jews were kidnapping Christian babies and using the blood for matzah, uh, which is a flawed, you know, I don't. When? 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 Like, when? So we're picky eaters. Let me just yeah, say, what? there's no fucking way that if you serve me bloody matzah, I'd just be like, okay, like. Well, also like that, I think, you know, other people's blood would probably upset your stomach. Yeah, I, we all got IBS. <laughs> You kidding me? And already Passover like clogs everything up. Last thing I need is a bunch of protein that's packed up there. Oh, wait, this is like uh, when when did this rumor start? Like what? So this was literally this is like an ancient like, it is like ancient an ancient, okay okay thing. not ancient. Ancient implies like during the but not time. last year. Christian, 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 no, this is like yeah. right. So like after Jesus, like fourteen hundreds. Let me just make sure. 
let me just make sure I'm not first. Like the pogrom, yeah, like uh, earliest blood libel, second century BCE. Yeah, I mean, and then the Crusades, it kind of like super came back. And there was, there was a, what was, there was like one big Christian kid named like William something. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was right about this. Yeah, there was a kid, there was like an original kid. It was like, you know, during the Crusades, it was just like one of those rumors that would pop up, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there was a kid that went missing. And then uh, I don't know if you, uh, so you guys know the golem at all? The, nope. the concept of the golem, the golem of Prague. There's this old Jewish tale about uh, this mud monster that is built by a rabbi. And then the rabbi puts, you know, carves some Hebrew into the forehead and the mud monster awakens and defends the Jews because the Jews had been being persecuted. You know, it's, it's Prague. So it's the pogroms. Uh, the pogroms were when the Russians were just you know, come into our towns and, and lynch and, and, and destroy our towns. So there was this myth of this mud monster, you know, that had been made to protect um, the Jews from the pogroms and stuff like that. And one of the things that the mud monster did was to catch people killing Christian babies because it would be Christians who would kill them. Mm-hmm. And then they would be like, oh, you know, our baby got killed by the Jews and stuff. So the mud monster was like, you know, in the myth of this, which obviously wasn't true, but, you know, in the tale of it, the mud monster was used to fight the blood libels. The blood libels, ancient time, ancient thing, a thing that I thought was not even, that didn't, the fact that it made it into the 1900s is bananas. Yeah. Then you're hearing my grandmother's story and she's like, yeah, they were fucking bringing up the blood libel stuff. And I was like, that is an ancient E, like, like, you know, like, uh, in like 1400s, you know, 1100s old myth that she was dealing with in, you know, 1930s uh, Czechoslovakia. So, you know, that was like, so I was getting the rest of that story from this video that had been sent to me. So um, I forgot exactly how we got on this entire story, but that is uh, how your religion has involved. Has involved. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so I'm Episcopalian now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so you know, so I think that like growing up a lot, of, uh, growing up, you're religious. You're very, very, you know, I was re- religious without a choice. I was also religious with a big learning disability, and I was very bad at school. So mm-hmm. years later in therapy, you kind of deal with the fact that like you know, if you're bad in school, in public school, you're a bad student. If you're bad at school during Jewish day school, you're a bad person. So that was a big chip on my shoulder that I had for years and years where I felt like I was a, I felt like an outcast in the community. I was still doing it, but like, I, it was very hard to reckon with the fact that like, I didn't fit into this community. I was bad at the thing that they wanted me to be good in. And then it just kind of got exacerbated as like, you go through middle school. And then like, I was pretty good at like secular studies, but I went to a Jewish day school and I wasn't able to like move around like to upper level English classes because there weren't enough teachers because like half the teachers were rabbis and you know, they just, they didn't build an infrastructure. So if you weren't good at the Hebrew stuff, there was no way for you to fucking move up in the English stuff. So it was another way that you were kept down in this like infrastructure that had been built then I, I, so, but I still kind of liked the community, but like with this big caveat that I still did not feel like I was good, like a good person at all, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, after uh, high school, I went to Israel for, I lived in Israel for a year in a yeshiva, loved it. It was like one of the first places where I felt like I was definitely like 
equal because I just uh, the way just because of the way that the that school was built and how, how accepting it was. Mm-hmm. Then I come back um, to Yeshiva University, which is an all boys Jewish school um, in Washington Heights, New York, and hate it. Like absolutely, do not fit in. I I despise the community. And at that point, I'm also kind of seeing the community as not just this place that I was in, but a place that hates Muslim people and gay people. Because, you know, I had been exposed to gay people, but, you know, I'm in New York, I'm doing comedy. So all of a sudden, you know, you're meeting gay people and, uh, you know, they're not trying to molest you, which is huge, Uh, uh, which is like a thing. I mean, like, you know, you're taught like old wives. Frequently, uh, the threat growing up was if you don't do well at school, we're going to send you to public school and in public school, you're going to get AIDS. So, you know. Wow. It, it's just a thing. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, the, the stuff that the community tells you. Yeah. Um, the community was like pretty conservative in their belief system, like yeah. politically as well. And let me just say, this is not exclusive to Judaism. No, oh, no, no exactly. That's exactly. No, I know. It's, it's, school was crazy. The thing about this yeah. is that yeah. like every religion mm-hmm has that exact thing to some capacity and it's the rumors and and old wives tales and and husbands bantering at the the bar together uh or at the kiddish club or you know after prayers for whatever religion it's like just that terminology that bubbles communities off and it, it turns you into enemies and to where you leave the community you start to introduce yourself to people that are not in the community you're like oh you're not like a hateful human being mm-hmm. uh, it just you know like i I hate to bring that, but like the first Palestinians I'd ever met, the first, uh, you know, Muslim people I'd ever met, there was a little bit of a like, oh, you're normal. It just, it, you're, it's just the way that, you know, these communities kind of like operate. Uh, definitely not specific to Jewish community. Uh, I feel like I should definitely get that out. No, there. I, that, I was yeah. only bringing it up because I'm like, hey, me too. Like that's, that was my, it was very much my experience. I didn't meet, famously, I didn't meet a Jewish person until I got to college and, um, I, I knew pretty much nothing about the Jewish community. They didn't talk about like that there is like robust modern Judaism at my school basically at all. So when I met people who were like, so going to temple and stuff, I was like, what, what do you, what, what, what the fuck? Ooh, you don't, it, it's yeah. not mentioned that there's robust modern Islam. There's robust modern right. Hindu. There's robust modern Sheik. There's fucking, there's a, in Canada, there is a guy that has, I, I, my ignorance is going to hurt me here, but what's the name of the headdress that the chic people uh, wear? There's like a fucking hockey announcer with a chic headdress. That's a big time hockey announcer in Canada. Like they're modern versions of religion, right. yeah. especially when you're able to tell that this person is religious because of their outward garb is something that I think society has gotten way better about mm-hmm. where acknowledging that all because you're wearing a hijab or all because you're wearing you know a kafia or, or a, a yarmulke or you know something you're you know you still listen to rap music you know you still know who the d'amelio family are uh, right it doesn't it doesn't make you one thing like yeah. even if you have yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I hated Yeshiva University, but also, but I also like it was a more religious place. I didn't feel like I fit in. On top of that, for a college, uh, the Jewish studies was part of my GPA, so mm-hmm. and it counted for like a fucking third of the GPA. So I went from like being like an over three point something student to like barely getting like two point nine because like a regular two point nine GPA, even though I was like at a three four three five because. 
every semester I was like bogged down with this Jewish thing years later. And this is the part that still to this day pisses me off. I find out that I have a learning disability that specifically makes it impossible or very hard to uh, deal with other languages. Mm. And everything that I, all the classes were in another <laughs> language. Yeah, that's really tough. So it was like really being slew footed, like from an early age in a way that was like so not helpful. And if there's one thing that I despise about the Jewish community, it is like how terrible the education system is there to people who don't 100% fit in. And I maybe it's gotten better, better, maybe it hasn't, but that was my personal thing with it. The other thing I hated about their community was the bigotry stuff. That was like very, very yeah, bad. Yeah. And so you get, say that's what made you sad? <laughs> we have to yeah, ask that's that's what it. makes you sad too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we said it. So now you can launch. Wait, wait, sorry, what? So the second question we ask is like, it's like, what made you good? What makes you sad? And it sounded like you were launching into that. So I just wanted to get, make sure we said it. So then we and what makes me sad. Sorry, am I rambling? I'm also, if I'm rambling, no, we love, okay, this good. is so interesting. This is, this is okay. very important. It's, um, we're not talking about our school uniforms for once. So it's, uh, it's important. We never talk well, about, I, you don't talk about school uniforms, uh, in, in high school, you couldn't wear a shirt with stripes that were more than an inch apart. That's a fact. Uh, I remember right before is I left. Reason? School, yeah. Is there a, because if you have a, uh, if a stripe is more than an inch apart, that means the devil can get it. <laughs> yes, right. The devil's in the details and the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, another one was, uh, I mean, like backless, not oat shoes. Uh, you weren't allowed to wear in school. I mean, yeah. You, you wear wear... Crocs in sport mode? No. No. No, they made a call on that. I definitely remember they made a call on that. That was an actual call on that in our uniforms too. It yeah. was, um, yeah, Crocs. Because it was a whole thing about the backless thing, and they were like, "Well, they could become backless. We can't deal with versatility here." No, no. everyone's one first, thing. First, you show the back of your foot, and then you're showing the back of your back. Mm. Then you're pregnant. <laughs> and then you're that pregnant. Um, did you? Not to be like, did you want to speak on bigotry more? But I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, oh no 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 no! <laughs> no, <laughs> no but the no, thing that made me sad is that, like, you know, I, I, then you get out of the community. I'm in like the regular. You start to realize like a lot, just how toxic the community is, yeah. specifically in a relate relation, specifically regarding this relationship to non community members or just anyone that isn't an Orthodox Jew. It is crazy, and then on top of that, the community is bad in so many fucking ways like the stuff that makes me sad is the lack of accountability for the people in the top of the community the people that shield abusers that hide the fact that there's huge alcohol and substance abuse problems in these communities suicides in the orthodox community are massive there's a drug problem in the or in the orthodox orthodox community is massive you want to talk about coronavirus you want to see a face in April, May, June, July, August in New York, go to Williamsburg if you wanted to see an unmasked face. Yeah. Everyone else was doing a better job about not having huge meetups. Not everyone. There were very, very bad communities. Like the city community was a very, very bad community in addition to other very bad communities when it came to uh, coronavirus handling in the beginning of the pandemic. These communities are, the rabbis do not do a good job at, at protecting these communities. And they know they're they're not accountable no one holds them accountable because if you're the head person of a community speaking out against that community is after speaking out against that that head person is just like not allowed so mm -hmm. these major problems you know 
it continue to exist. I, here's an example. Like I, I used to work at a place, I'm not going to say, but it was in charge of giving out the kashrut certification. So like, if you want to have kosher food, you have to have a rabbi go there, you know, sign off on it, pay a bunch of money. And then you get a little symbol that lets Jews know it's kosher. Right. So these organizations have a lot of rabbis just like on retainer or just like on staff. And there was a rat, there was a guy in Lakewood, New Jersey, who molested a bunch of kids. And this rabbi spoke out against the parents that told the cops and was like, Hey, you can't, if your kid gets molested, you can't tell the cops, you let the rabbis handle it. And he publicly fucking outed these like this, these like Jewish families whose kids were just molested. And that rabbi was still on the, on the payroll of this like major, major, I'm going to say it right now, like arguably the the biggest Jewish organization. I'm not going to say which one, but it's like a major Jewish organization Mm -hmm. And he was like on the payroll still. So like, where's the accountability with that stuff? Trumperism? Holy shit. 2016 to 2020, the community and the community became violently toxic in regards to Trump. And I think that there is, I understand the political whatever. Like if you want to get behind somebody because you politically agree with them, fine, whatever, to take on the personality of bullying and belittling and gotcha politics and meme sharing and uh, misogyny and uh, pictures of, you know, a a photoshopped Hillary Clinton's going around the community and AOC's behind bars and Ilan Omar's with targets on her back. Like, that's not Judaism. And it was not put in check by the rabbis that were in charge of those communities and it got worse and worse and worse the more religious the community got. So the thing that made me sad, if I had to like put it in a nutshell, is watching this community, these communities that are heavily built on concept of living Torah lifestyles and, you know, and uh, not creating chalashems, which means making people think poorly of Jews by your public actions, you know, like the second Trump came into office, it got, 50,000 times worse. And it's because they saw an end to grab some power and that power remained unchecked. And the thing that I, that I, I will say that I am sad about is that this stuff really exposed that if given an opportunity, it can get very, very bad. And I hope that an opportunity like this doesn't ex- uh, you know, exist in the future. Um, but you know, yeah. there's that. Yeah. And that's why I'm Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> but also I will, once again, like just to add this, Every fucking community, every religion had this problem. Like, it's just, if you want to talk about, like, the more religious these communities, uh, the the, the sex in these communities get, the bigger these problems and shared problems. There's no, it's not a mystery why all of these communities suffer, no matter the religion, they suffer from these same problems. Right, yeah. Because of, you know, of unchecked power. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, in the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit. That made me sad. <laughs> well, thank, you, thank you very yeah. much for sharing. That thank was you. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, I am happy that I get to talk about that because, and I will say that, like Judaism, there's a lot of joy in Judaism, and like, I'll, you know, one of the things that, like, I've I don't know if you guys want to talk about Jewish anti-Semitic, but like, yeah, we, totally. yeah. we do, we do. We can talk a live show and you can talk about that. Ooh, a cliffhanger. You made it to the end of part one of Eitan Levine's episode. Please come back next week where we ask him for an entrance into the Good Girl Glossary and we play a fun and funky little game with him. Of course, we have some 
random side conversations along the way because as you can tell, we like to talk. Now it's time to plug and listen to our fun little theme song by DJ Skip to My Luke. Cool, see you next week. Okay, so the final thing we have to do now, we just like to say we passed the offertory plate. So is there anything you would like to plug? Oh my God, yeah. Uh, plug City I, over here. TikTok, my Instagram. Uh, you know. And those handles are? Oh, eight on the goalie, E-I-T-A-N-T-H-E-G-O-A-L-I-E. Eight on the goalie. Check that out. Uh, the TikTok is still popping and rocking. Uh, and yeah, believe in yourselves. And in the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. As it is written from on high. Amen. 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 Um, Becca? Yes. Um, you can follow me on TikTok or Twitter at the real underscore Becca or Instagram at the Becca Stevenson. Um, you can follow me, Sid King, at Sid period, the period King on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow us, the Good Girls Gone Sad, at Good Girls Gone Sad on TikTok and Instagram. You can email us at goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. We are always taking submissions to the Good Girl Glossary. So um, send us a voice note, send us a text, send us an email, Instagram DM, and we will in- probably include it in an upcoming episode unless you say something really mean. Say, unless it's bad. Unless it's bad <laughs> and mean. Um, and we would also like to thank our best friend, DJ Skip to my Luke. You can find him at skip to my Luke underscore. Oh no. Okay. <laughs>